So if you come out of that, that quality, you start realizing, oh, that zero place allows me at any moment to leave Plato's cave and come out into the world. And then when somebody would have killed me who was in the cave, trying to keep me in that unawake state, I'm just not engaged with the one, two. I wish them a blessing. I wish them their path. Now, where is humanity going? Okay. So that's a very simplistic description, but it actually works. It actually is true. So <clears throat> then I'm going to go to the metaphysical piece. So what occurred in the last mm, about 150 years, I would say, and that would be how long I've been working on it. So there would be other souls who maybe have done this for longer times or shorter times. But we went through a phase of regarding the idea of evil and of somebody being able to take over <clears throat> large dimensions of the human tribe and have an extreme experience of the will, of human will. Okay, so when we're working toward awakeness, you, a person has to be willing to get up in the morning or help make breakfast or uh, do anything, really. And so when we're working with any principle in a second grade classroom or a business or a farm, are people willing to engage with consciousness and then the next moment of life? And another being doesn't have permission to interfere with the will of another being. We're sovereign beings. It's just kind of a, a principle of great self-respect or respect for the dignity of each part of the self with a capital S. In Hinduism, you'd say, you are an incarnation of the self, and so are you, and so are you, and so are you. And so each person has their own alignment as an individual soul in that, in the divine. And in that, they have a higher will, what they feel with their will within heaven, and they have a lower will, the part of you that wants to stay alive. And a lot of it is felt in the gut, around the hara or chi, the areas that are dealt with in, in martial arts and in tai chi and in um, various sports. And so the quality of the higher and lower will, when they're aligned, tend to cause you to follow your path. But if you say in your will, I want to fall, I'm going to fall, and I can if I want to. We feel this tremendous power because we're trying to kill everybody. Wow, I am so powerful because I'm killing everybody. It's great. And then we have somebody rise up who represents that. We have historical figures like this who've occurred. Hitler is a good example and Stalin is a very good example. And we can't believe when it happens, when we, when we come out afterwards, we go, I can't believe people would listen to somebody like that. But what they were doing is they were intoxicated with their own fall, thinking, I could have both of the stools would be mine because I just kill all the Jews and the gypsies and anybody who's gay and anybody who's too old and anybody who's handicapped. And I, of course I'd kill them all because then I could have 18 stools. And if somebody goes, well, then what would you do with them? They're like, I don't have a clue, but I am just drunk on my own fall. Right? So... We all are sovereign beings, but we also need humility because we all could fall. It's just so easy. You just get drunk on power and greed. And then the trees are crying. And the human being goes, I don't care, I'll just cut them all down. I don't feel like listening to them anymore. And I'll build all the houses I want. 
the person isn't content they're not happy they're not fulfilled they're in a place of fearsome falling from grace they are not in relationship to what mary turned to in the vases and the the men okay they're they're falling and so when this occurs and it starts to become a collective people who are innocent or are kind or are very conscious tend to try to take a side against it to stop it they're correct the difficulty is how do you deal with the fall itself right because it's very dangerous so so there are all kinds of beings who go through things and i think it just behooves me one of the main things I've done in the last life I took, which was Sarna Devi in, in, in northeastern India, area just outside of Calcutta, uh, I was alive uh, during World War I in that life I died in 1920. In that body and in this one, I was aware of my place to be a maternal and sisterly and daughterly force, not falling and not tolerating a fall. I did not tolerate humanity falling. The way I've spoken of it, it's hard to speak about it verbally, I'd say, not on my watch, not in my holy family. But what that required is not just standing with a good guy. As I saw these kids reincarnating and coming in, I was aware, you have to tell the people falling down which, and this is where the shadow comes in, not just the shadow in the cave, but the people saying, I'm staying in the cave and I'll kill anybody who doesn't stay in the cave with my methodology. I had to come in and get them out of the cave. Okay, and that's why I walk with the cane. That's why you watch me when I look fine but not, because I had to, um, if it was really easy, I suppose we'd all have gold stars. But, and I don't mean that foolishly, it's just like, I go, oh, it's great, let's all go swimming. But I had to be with a certain cost to my own ease by being willing to go in. It just is, I don't know how to describe it really. And the way I tell it is, I go, well, it's like if there was a huge oak tree and God said, there's this incredible oak tree, Beth, and I really need you to help me. Here's an acorn, will you carry it for me? You know, so I come in and I have my little acorn and and that's my piece of it. But the quality of what fell to me in about the last 40 years was enough that could have caused a world war if we'd gone that way. And I say this because there are people all over the world who did not go that way and went through things that were easy or really rigorous for them, really hard for them. And they do and don't understand what they went through but they know they were facing evil or a challenge in mankind where we were at a very dangerous place. People will say to me, I know that there was something where it was really dangerous or their kids would have nightmares and say, mommy, it's really scary out there. There's something bad going on. I go, they were right. They were right. And so what would have been a world war of, of evil, of willfully created wishes to possess the earth, that was absolutely going on. It wasn't somebody going, I want a great little company, or I'd like a house in a beautiful resort area, or I'd like a incredible partner, or, you know, diamonds, or, or whatever people want. 
it wasn't that. They wanted to take space and not say, I have my body that I possess. They wanted to possess the world, to own everything, as if everything were an extension of their own lower will and personality. And there had to be enough people who said, no, we're going to sail the ship to awaken. Okay? So with that, with that happening, all that shadow that was the debris of the beings who were falling is having to be integrated back somehow into how they're willing to get up and go forward. And the beings, Hitler and Stalin, are two of the young people. They're both in their 30s now. One is in, is in Albania. Hitler's in Albania and uh, is a farmer. And um, Stalin is up in the Siberia or eastern Russia area and is uh, just works in business. And so I had to let them be brothers to me. They're both men where I did not tolerate them falling. So, you know, it would be unbearable. I mean, it would be completely unbearable because it wasn't just them, but everybody connected to them who also wanted to have a huge, horrific, bloody war. But I did understand if God allows this to succeed and we don't fall in that way, then our era succeeds and goes forward. And to me, that's where we are right now. Okay. If we'd gone another way, I'd be teaching a different class, which would have been a very disciplined way of practicing personally to go through a very difficult era. So perhaps mm, 20 years ago, I don't know exactly how many, maybe 20 years ago, I was shown there was a book, mystically I was shown there's this book on, on a pandemic, was about the flu Spanish virus in 1918, 17 and 18. My own great-uncle George died from that virus. Uh, former President Trump's grandfather died from that virus. Both of them in less than 24 hours were gone. The two men came home and they were, they didn't know each other, they're just, they're just two separate incidences, but they were both in their 20s and they came home and didn't feel well and they died. And so uh, it's a long book, uh, it's several hundred pages long, it's quite scientific, it's very well written. And I read it and I knew there's going to be a pandemic coming I don't know when, but soon. And I knew, will it be a one-point point pandemic, meaning it kills 1% of the population, or will it be 5%? Like the bubonic plague goes from like 4 to 25% when it sweeps through an area, historically. So what level would it be? And how would humanity be with this? So when the virus arose, it didn't surprise me. My awareness was that we had to negotiate finishing the Third World War so it didn't become a horrific pandemic. And I'm not God, I don't know these things in an infallible way, but that was my entire experience through it. We have got to do this contemplative work. And you know, the whole world became somewhat contemplative. We did not have regional wars everywhere and looting and rioting and fighting. People did their homework. And so I feel we're coming out of the debris of the Third World War. And the difficult part is the, they're called miasms when you work with body work or homeopathy or certain kinds of emotional and release work. The miasms around the planet of the energies where people wanted torture and hatred and fighting and horrific 
uh, falls of grace, falls from grace, that is still moving out and will probably take till January, February. So if you feel bands of darkness or evil or like, wow, there's this weird thought out in the world, what is that? Just release it back into God and have your prayers for every human being. Like, may every human being find their pathway. And then let them do their own homework. Don't carry everybody. Right? So one of the ways that, that was necessary is for, for beings like me, I had to do this. And it constantly, every single day, consciously was present with, was humanity willing to do this? Was humanity going to do this? Not with me, I'm not like the captain, but it was like, is humanity going to do this or not? Are we going to get up and do this or not? So as, as aspects of humanity or, or powerful individuals or, or groups around the world would go through their own meltdowns and tantrums, I would be like a loving but stern matriarchal figure. Are we going to do this or are we going to fall? And there'd be days when Blaine would come in to work with me and I would be in a nightgown and I would look ravaged. And I was aware that I was not going to fall. I was not going to... I remember telling a, a guru who went through a great fall about 40 years ago, I just said to her, I will never fall. It just came out of my mouth. I thought, well, that's an interesting thing to say to somebody. I said to her, I, I will never fall. It wasn't about I. This that my mother and grandmother and father and grandfathers taught me, this pillar will be of this. And it's just, then there's, no, there's nothing there. There's just being like a child of heaven. And each one of us is equal. This is where we're equal. We're all equal in this. This is not greater in me than anyone else. We just each have a different job in this. I don't have a garden like Amy's, but look where we get to sit with her. But she provided the place, and Joseph provided all of this with her, so we could have this conversation. So, you know, who caused the future to be possible for us beyond war? Joseph, Amy, Blaine, me, you, all of us. And it also required that there not be a dualistic bad guy out there. There not be somebody where they were the bad guy and we were the good guy, the one, two. There couldn't be, you know, you're not okay, but I'm okay, or you're not accepted, but I'm accepted. So the metaphysical principle in this would not be for you to not be discerning. Like, like it, it, it's not that you'd tolerate someone doing something wrong, but there's a beautiful phrase that you resist not evil. You don't resist it. And then you don't judge the person. You let the divine be the judge. But what you do with the other person is you say, you must do your own homework. And then the person who was falling doesn't necessarily want to pay the debt they will have over time. This is, this is actually going on now. Somebody will go, oh, I'll do all these awful things and good people will save me. I'll do horrible things and then I'll reincarnate again and somebody will be a good grandmother. I go, not, 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 not on my watch. I'm not tolerating the behavior, but God will take up the judgment, but I'm not taking care of you. I'm with you, but you need to get up.
And then there's no relationship to evil. I don't know if this makes sense. There's no relationship to evil. I'm not in relationship to evil. When God started sending all these reincarnate children, I go, oh my God, if we've got Hitler and Stalin here, and we have these constellations of grace and all these historic saints and sages, I have got to make sure that these other guys don't destroy them. Right? They, they can't come in and take away that capacity that is why these children were sent. So if you look at St. Michael the Archangel, there are two ways he's shown with attributes. When he's dealing with mankind unaware, he comes in with his sword to protect. When he's dealing with mankind contemplative, he has a staff. He is able to go to that arc or that state, right? So the state of St. Michael without a weapon able to be very divinely aware and present in the heavens or on the earth or everywhere, we go, oh, well, because he protected us so that we did not need warfare any longer. It's quite something. Yeah. So I think in yourself, if you go back over what these years have been, I would say the, well, the movement toward World War takes a long time. It's a few centuries, but the last 40 years or so were you know, like the, the lining up of the armies and, and how it would be. And for people who are very spiritually attuned or emotionally sensitive, uh, you would be feeling the fighting going on. Like, you know, the heavens were just resounding with hatred and argument and treachery. And um, it, it spilled over into all parts of the world and all parts of society. And then one of the most heartbreaking places where it was apparent is I'd see a lot of young women who would be between about 12 and 35 and they would have terrible attacks of anxiety. They would have anxiety where they could not be with something and they wouldn't know what was wrong with them. And they were frightened that there was just something weird about them. This is all, all across the world. And I was aware, oh, they can tell that they can't feel the future safely. They would have an afternoon or a morning when they would just go into like a panic and, and be unable to function. And uh, one young woman I know had to get in her bathtub and, and uh, got on the telephone with me for a couple of hours. And um, she, she said, I, I can't get out of the... She just knew there was this, this horrific sense of what was coming in the world. She just, she could tell. So a woman tends to know a baby's coming. Oh, my baby will eat apples next summer. Or, you know, we'll go out and lay in the field and have a nap. When, when she knows that there's death out there, it's not safe, the intuitive and receptive part of her would feel there's not, there's not a future. The future is truly horrific. Right, so that was present in thousands, well, it's present in millions of young women around the world in, in recent years in a way that was never seen before by psychologists or educators or parents or spouses or siblings. It's just been rampant. So that part of it is done. And the question then becomes, what do we do as we go toward the future? So we'll, we'll talk about that as we go on in the afternoon tomorrow. But, but the part of it that is about the, the fall that would have caused a, a sort of reactive domino effect war, um, and then we, picking up the pieces after that would have been over would have just been, you know, just almost incomprehensible. So that part of it is done. And then the next segment I want to go into, and then we'll have a break after this, is it's 
hard to say what we need to do with the earth. So we've overcome our propensity toward a world war. However, the earth is at a point of not necessarily tolerating our behavior. So we have the classroom of the continuation of the earth and how magnificent it is. In all the eras it's been through before, you know, the uh, when the elements were here and then when sea creatures appeared and then climbed out onto the earth, onto the continents or the, the various land masses and then became larger creatures and into the dinosaurs and the different plants that grew. And so we had a beautiful book I've spoken of many times. My parents would buy us, uh, my older brother Mike and myself, a beautiful book at Christmas time. And my mother would say, Bill, that's a little too old for them. And he goes, no, I, I want them to grasp this greater understanding of the world. And he would find a book meant for like college students or kids that would be from like sixth grade to through high school. And he would give it to us when we were like two and six. And, you know, it would be a big coffee table book filled with, it would always have amazing illustrations. So that long before I could read, I would open and see what the earth looked like. Mm -hmm. And then turn the page. Oh. 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 So this is where we are now. Oh. So when people say, I'll do this, I'll do that, I go, well, something is happening as primordial as each of those epochs. Uh, I talked to my daughter-in-law. She's a Taylor's fiancé. My brother Peter calls them the fiancés. They've put their wedding off because of the, the pandemic, but they've been together for many years. And she's a medical resident in Seattle. Taylor's a first-year physician. They love the Northwest. They move there partly for the climate, and they have a wonderful place where they're working medically. But I asked her, I got to see her uh, this past week and see my family for the first time in two years. And out in the Finger Lakes area, they came to visit us. And I asked her what it was like for her during the heat wave, and she said, well... Three million birds died in two and a half days. Now we were quiet. She's gone up into that area since she was a little baby. Now she's from California. But for her, it was certain kinds of birds that she knew well, that her grandfather loved, grandmother who's still alive loves. Two days, two and a half days. So those birds will not be coming back. Something else will. But the nature of what is happening is both magnificent in the splendor of the planet and life, and also in an, an epochal change because of our behavior. So what I want us to do as we go on later today is to be with that in certain ways. So we begin to move toward the future but we also look toward what is the map of what the planet might be that we can do. We can do, we can't save everything, but we can be with it so that it's not a constant trauma, but part of our attention is on what we're creating as a global civilization, what we're creating in nature, what we're creating with children, with each other, and that when we do this, from that place of zero rather than the one two we can receive grace and we can find a way through the grace to embody a principle of reality 
And then that becomes a map where rather than children studying warfare to go to the future, they're studying reality as a global tribe, right? So the Eskimo or, or different leaders who've known me when I was younger and would teach me, they would always teach me from that principle, right? They would just always teach me from that principle. Their intention wasn't that I survive forever, but it was that I have balance in the human era they were training me for, that year of my life, if I were 20 or 21 or 40, and Twyla Nitsch needed me to go out and teach. She wanted me to be specific as who I was for a certain purpose. Right? It's, very, it's very authentic and it's very modest, but it also has a place where there's no argument and it isn't about attaining something that is for oneself. It includes oneself, but you're, you're setting a safe course through the woods or across the field or in, into the sea. And then if something happens that is not understood, it's not so much a tragedy, it's more the nature of, oh, as I came to the future, I set a good course that was a fulfillment of the whole human tribe. And then we see, how are the oceans with us? How are the land masses with us? How is the sky with us? And, and I found, uh, at one point over the last few years, I told John and Blaine, you know, the water's not willing to do what we're doing. I said, if it's coming into the elements and they're not willing to go with us, we are in really big trouble. I said, there'll be storms, there'll be, I go, because it's like, there, there's this attempt to get our attention because we're interconnected to everything. Okay, everything is alive. All of this is part of the body of God. So when it's cared for, there's a resonance of relationship. When it's not cared for, some part of the body that is conscious rebels. It could be the water. It could be the mountains. It could be the fire at the core of the earth. And people go on thinking, oh, it'll never change. What am, what am I going to do for my next vacation or my next uh, whatever I'm purchasing or doing or thinking? And if the, if, the, if the core of the earth collapsed, we'd be gone in about, I don't know, 17 minutes. People go, that wouldn't happen, would it? I go, well, why not? I mean, it arose at some point. It will fall away at some point. Well, I don't want that to happen. I go, well, then we need to be in a different relationship to the fire and the water and the air and the earth. It's not hard. It's very exquisite. So that, that piece is still, to me, not solid. Not um, That's not quite the right word to use. It's not... Um, adequately integrated in a, in a sane and balanced way by humanity. So we're through the Third World War, and now we have to grow up enough to recognize our mother and father, Earth and Sky. That's where we are. And anything we do to pray, embody that, include our children in that, each other in that, then we start having the elements sing back to us. And, you know, it's, do we affect things? It's the rhythm of what occurs um, in synchronicities, you know, is often profound. Like in the last couple of summers we've come, it was really hot, really, really hot, you know, and then today we have a cooler day. Why is that? Does it have to do with us? Does it have to do with the whole region? Does it have nothing to do with us at all? 
we do and don't understand these things, but we are in relationship to all of it. Yeah. And in a tribal sense, if we live according to that, we tend to find a contentment in the blizzard or the mountain air or the sea or walking safely through the city. And then there are other qualities that come in in a, a kind of a grace-filled relationship back. But I want to talk about that as we go toward the future. So just in your hearts and souls, hold that place of listening to and receiving from the divine Okay, if we're eradicating a larger sense of evil and we are at a maturity able to spiritually and metaphysically or theosophically be present in the middle worlds between heaven and the human realm, be responsible to be aligned with the divine and then live that here humanly, then how do we care for the home itself? That would be our, our global homework among the whole human race for probably about a hundred years, I would say, our, our, our most substantive classroom. And then we, we see what, what happens is the universe answers us back and we find our sense of a civilization. That's really, really where we are. So if you're just with that in your hearts and souls. So I think we should take a break for a little bit. And, um, but these places I'm, I'm ranging out into, I would like you to, if you can, feel how um, the places where when Jesus asked that, when Jesus' mother asked this of him, that never left us. Okay, so we tell it as if it happened in a moment in time, right? That Mary asked that at the wedding feast. Mary asked that for all time. Understand that? She asked that for all time. We go, I wasn't paying attention to that. I go, I don't think anybody, I don't know anybody who was. But it was going on. We just didn't know that. We were in the cave. So by beginning with that, I was aware, okay, now that all this is done with the war, what is the one thing I could do in our meeting together that would allow the prayer we need to be answered by God as we gather in that kind of faithful practice, you know, here in this beloved place? Whatever this small collective is to do, how could that be that that dew drop or that ringing of the meditation bell and i was aware well i don't think people realize when she asked that of her son whatever happened never stopped it's it's always occurring and their relationship mother and son is that relationship that's always occurring so if we take that out into our lives and that begins to answer us, we will always know what to do. So if something is difficult, you come back to this, what I'm talking about. And then you'll realize, oh, I'm walking forward without a mask on a level of ego. So the ego and mind are just to clear the vessel of yourself. And then this principle of grace embodied moves through you. And the water is turned to wine in someone else with you in your grandchild you're raising, in the door that you go and place up that your son built. And pe people don't know what's going on, so you'll realize, well, it is being received by the entire human race, the gesture I am doing of the water being turned to wine. Okay, It's the only reason beings like me were able to succeed 
with Stalin and Hitler and go beyond a world war. Right? I'm just one person. How many people were working on this? I don't know. But I am confident that it succeeded. But it's not me. But it includes me. So when you go out and you embody this principle, someone walking by you will think, what is that? And how do you answer them? You're calling the water to wine in them also. And then the next person, and the next person. And then as these children grow, they're like a matrix, like I, I keep using the example, like a pop-up tent. There is a framework of civilization through them, historically adequate, to give a morality of how to do this. If you've ever seen a very wise child tell you how you could do something that you didn't know, they're all around us across the world. Will anybody ever know who they are? We'll have to see. But but the, the, more, the virtuous matrix is adequately present. Or we'd have to teach people a different level of danger and caretaking. But if you have Francis of Assisi out there or Yogananda out there, I go, you'll know what to do. They're out there. She's 26. He's probably 27. They're out there. It'll be good. But then you have to do your homework. And then you'll be answered with sort of quiet, miraculous things that will occur where you'll realize, I just never was safe to understand this in myself. And it will be humble and real and noble and ordinary. And then that begins to be the seed of a global civilization. And it will not fail. It, it will not fail. And elder after elder told me this would happen. This will happen. But you have to do this. And I think, okay, are you strong enough? I go, I'm pretty strong. Are you sure you're strong enough? And so how many millions of people are part of what has done this? So let's take a break. What time is it now? Should we break for lunch for like an hour and 15 minutes? 1.15? Let's do that and then we'll come back and we'll talk about the future and how to be with some of this.